Thank you, Suzanne. So, now the kids are getting stuck into their activities, let's delve a little deeper. It's our final teaching in Hebrews, a book we've been learning about together since April, if you can believe it. Now, before I get into today's passage, chapter 13, let's do a really quick summary of what we've covered over the past few months. So the overarching theme of our series is don't give up. In the midst of life's difficulties, hold on tightly to Jesus and keep going with him. We've certainly found this book and theme incredibly relevant as we've battled with the pandemic and lockdowns. So we first looked at chapter one with Louise, where the author demonstrates that Jesus is God's son and God himself, the person we need to cling to. Then in chapters two through six, we explored practical ways to keep going with Jesus in tough times by paying attention to him, by encouraging one another, by keeping our hearts soft, by holding on to God's grace, by building our spiritual muscles, and by following others' examples. We then looked at four truths about Jesus that allow us to have intimacy with God. So this was chapters seven through 10, and they taught us that Jesus lives to intercede for us. He longs for his covenant relationship with us. He frees us from our sins, and he invites us to draw near to God. After this, we began our three-part conclusion with these ways of keeping going with Jesus and the truths about him in hand, we explored some final wisdom about not giving up. Two weeks ago, we looked at chapter 11 with Louise, exploring how to persevere in our faith. Then last week, Paul went through chapter 12 showing us that even though following Jesus is incredibly difficult, it is well worth it. Now, my apologies to the tech team for making them race through all these slides, but I hope you'll agree it was well worth it to see all those smiling faces. So finally this morning, here I am wrapping all this up and with the daunting task of applying it all through the lens of chapter 13, asking, what now? equipped with all this knowledge and wisdom about Jesus and our relationship with him from Hebrews, how then shall we live? Now, if you found yourself just then thinking, wait, I don't remember that sermon, or hang on, what was the theme in week six again? Don't worry. Where relevant, I'll remind us of what we looked at before. And don't forget, between YouTube and our website, you can go back and watch or listen to all of our Hebrew sermons at your leisure if you want to remind yourself what we covered. For now, though, let's delve into chapter 13 and see what concluding thoughts it has for us on our theme, Don't Give Up. At this point, I suggest you grab a Bible so you can follow along. Now, while there is a ton of wisdom in the opening verses of chapter 13, for the sake of time, we're going to skip to near the middle of the chapter, as that's where we find our most relevant verses to our theme. 
So let's start with verses 11 through 14. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Okay, so after only reading this once or twice, it's easy to be confused and think, what is this passage talking about? There's stuff about animal blood and a camp, a holy place and a city. What does it all mean? Now, we have covered some of this in chapters 8 through 10, but I'll just give us the whole context here to help us out today. So, after the Israelites' exodus from slavery in Egypt, they travelled around in a huge mobile camp in search of the Promised Land. In the middle of this camp, they set up a massive tent known as the Tabernacle, which was God's dwelling place among them. At this time, animals were sacrificed to atone or make up for sin. The animal's blood, considered the important bit of the sacrifice, was taken to the most holy place, the inner part of this huge tent. But the animal carcasses, or bodies, were burned outside the Israelite camp, the same place that the ritually unclean were sent, the unholy place, as it were. What verse 12 is saying is that just like unclean animal carcasses were put outside the camp in Old Testament times, so Jesus was crucified outside the city gates of Jerusalem in a place named in the Gospels as Golgotha or Calvary. In this way, he was unjustly humiliated and cast out of the city like unclean animal carcasses were cast out from the camp. So what's the point of this comparison, Jesus to ritual animal sacrifices? Well, in verse 13, the author tells the readers to bear the disgrace Jesus bore. At the time of the early church, Jewish Christians were being ridiculed and persecuted by high-ranking Jewish officials who didn't believe in Jesus' saviour status. Paul told us a little bit about that last week. So the author is saying, just like Jesus allowed himself to suffer a disgraceful death, the Hebrews shouldn't hide their faith but allow themselves to be disgraced and humiliated by the Jewish authorities. Okay, so at this point, you might have one or two questions. Firstly, why would the author of Hebrews tell his audience to let themselves be humiliated and persecuted? Second, what on earth has that got to do with us? Well, the answers to the author answers the first question for us in verse 14. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. In other words, the earthly city of Jerusalem, from which Jesus was cast out before his crucifixion, and the elitist Jewish community from which the Hebrews were cast out, these are, or were, temporary things. Instead of focusing on these temporary cities, they should be looking towards another city, the eternal city of the new heaven and new earth, or as it says in chapter 12, Mount Zion, the city of the living God and the heavenly Jerusalem. 
because that's what's eternal and that's where Jesus will be. For the Hebrews, it would have been so easy to stay inside the camp, to continue acting like their peers and follow the old rituals as if the Saviour Jesus hadn't come, so they could fit in with the high-ranking Jewish officials and their in-crowd. As for the relevance of all that to us, well, how do we live our lives as followers of Jesus? Are we following Jesus outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore? In other words, are we following Jesus to the exclusion of our pride and desire to fit in with the world around us? And are we looking for, or as the ESV translation puts it, seeking the city that is to come? That is, are we focusing our minds and our actions on the coming kingdom of God rather than this temporary world? And what does that kingdom focus look like, practically? Now, I'm going to leave that question hanging while we explore the next couple of verses, which will help us figure out some answers, then we'll bring it all together at the end. So, how do the next verses help us seek the city that is to come, to focus our eyes on eternity? Let's take a look at verse 15. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. In the previous verses, we read about the old way of doing things, sacrificing animals to atone for sin. We also read how the old way came to an end. Jesus died in our place for the forgiveness of sins, for of our sins, meaning animal sacrifices were no longer needed. But as verse 15 shows, Jesus' act of sacrifice doesn't mean we're now free to just sit around, to sit around while we wait for the city to come. What it means is that sacrifice looks different now. One sacrifice we should be making is a sacrifice of praise. But what does that mean? What about praising God makes it a sacrifice? Because I don't know about you, but I love to praise and worship God. You know, singing along to a great worship song, thanking God for all his amazing works. It feels great. At least sometimes it does. Because let's be honest, how many of us have come to church or logged on to the online service and just not really felt like worshipping God? Maybe you had a bad morning, had an argument with your family skipped breakfast, forgot to drink your morning cuppa, or maybe in light of COVID and the other terrible events on the news and stuff going on in our personal lives, sometimes we just don't feel like telling God how great he is. The Hebrews were in the same position. They were being ostracised from the community they knew, rejected for following Jesus. They probably didn't feel like worshipping the God that allowed all that to happen but the author tells them to do it anyway. To praise God, even when we don't feel like it, is to sacrifice our comfort and our pride. To lay aside our personal baggage and say to God, I'm having a rubbish time and I don't understand why you're letting it happen, but you're still the almighty God and you deserve all praise. And let's not miss that the verse tells us to offer a continual sacrifice of praise. This is an ongoing activity. 
Praise is not just what we do to music on a Sunday morning, though that is an important part. We should praise God all the time. As 1 Corinthians puts it, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Okay, so that's one activity we should be doing as part of seeking the city to come, offering a continual sacrifice of praise. Because as Revelation shows us, in heaven, God's praises are spoken day and night, forever and ever. So if we're going to join in with that praise in eternity, it's good practice to start now. Seek the city to come by continually praising God, just like we will when we get there. Okay, so how else should we seek the city that is to come? Let's look at verse 16. And do not forget to do good and share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. There's that word again. The key word of these verses and the answer to our question. How do we seek the city to come? We seek it through sacrifice. Now we've talked about the sacrifice of praise. Now verse 16 talks about the sacrifices of doing good and of sharing. Sharing is sacrifice by definition because it means giving up something of ours for the benefit of someone else. And doing good can be a sacrifice in the same way that praise can be. Sometimes we feel like doing good because we're in a good mood and it gives us this nice warm feeling. But sometimes we really don't feel like doing good because we're tired, in a bad mood or whatever. In those times, we're called to sacrifice our comfort and pride and do it anyway. So how are these things seeking the city to come? Well, we might remember back in chapter 10, the author praised the Hebrews for joyfully allowing the Romans to take their property because they knew they had better and lasting possessions to come. In other words, the things that await us in eternity are way better than the stuff we can accumulate on earth right now. So being good, generous and sharing our stuff is an active recognition that our earthly possessions won't last and what we'll get in the city to come will be so much better. Okay, so we've looked at three sacrifices that help us keep our eyes on the city to come. Praise, doing good and sharing our stuff. There is a bunch more in chapter 13 I reckon we could look at through the lens this lens of sacrifice for the sake of the heavenly city. So I'd encourage you to have a read through the chapter and come up with more, maybe discuss it in your house group. But those are the only ones we're going to cover this morning. So let's see how all this ties in with our series as a whole. The theme we've been looking at the last few months is don't give up. In the midst of life's difficulties, hold on tightly to Jesus and keep going with him. We've spent a lot of time looking at what that means and the different ways to go about it. And in chapter 13, this connection to Jesus is expressed as going to him outside the camp, to this place of earthly shame and disgrace. 
Because what matters is not our temporary cities of earthly concerns, but the city to come, the future kingdom of the new heaven and new earth. And who rules this future city alongside God the Father? His son Jesus. As we're told in chapters 1 and 10, Jesus sits on the throne, the place of honour at God's right hand, ruling with a scepter of justice forever and ever. We seek this city that Jesus rules alongside the Father by living sacrificially, by giving up our comfort and pride and devoting our time to serving God, serving others and sharing with them and praising God in everything we do through his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, if all that sounds really, really hard, well, yeah. As Jess told us a few weeks ago, being a faithful follower of Jesus is incredibly difficult. But let's remember chapter four, where the author tells us that Jesus, our high priest, was tempted like us in every way. But through his perfect nature, he serves as an example to us, and he graciously helps us in our times of need. Keeping our eyes on Jesus and living sacrificially is incredibly hard, but we have Jesus' own example for how to live, told in the Gospels and applied through the rest of the New Testament, and we have his guidance when we seek it. And, of course, when we mess up, which we will, because of Jesus' sacrifice, we have God's forgiveness when we sincerely ask for it. Now, if you're watching or listening to this and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, firstly, well done for making it this far. Second, I want you to know that this invitation to repent of our sins, follow Jesus and eventually join him in the heavenly city is for you as well. Chapter two reminds us that Jesus died for all people, not just the Jewish community or the special few, and that through Christ, we are all of the same family. So whether you've been a faithful Christian for decades or have not yet made a firm, a firm commitment to follow Jesus, in the midst of life's difficulties, look to Jesus and don't give up your pursuit of him. Let's follow his example by living sacrificially, both as a community of believers and among our not yet saved friends, family, colleagues and neighbours. Let's do this with our eyes on Jesus and on the heavenly city, the kingdom ruled by God the Father and Jesus the Son, which we will one day inherit in peace and harmony forever and ever. And with that, I'll end with the same words that end chapter 13 and the whole book of Hebrews. May God's grace be with you all. Amen.